We're in John chapter number 6. We got down to about verse 65 last time, so let's back up and um, get our bearings uh, as to where we are. We have saw the Lord. He's been speaking with uh, the Jews and the bread of life uh, after He's fed the 5,000 here. And that's an important thing to see that the followers of Jesus at this time, there were 5,000 men, and that is excluding the women and children. So there was a giant crowd that was following the Lord. And the Lord fed them there at the sea. He walked over the sea to the disciples and went over to the other side, and they've come searching for Him. And Jesus has... Uh, through this discourse, he said, I am the bread of life. They were looking for manna. They wanted a leader like Moses to provide bread for them day after day to feed the flesh. And Jesus is saying, it's not something to feed the flesh that the new Moses, the second Moses, is going to bring. But I am the literal bread of life. I've been sent... My body's going to be given and my blood is going to be shed that you would take me into you and by me, by my life and by my death, you're going to live. And certainly that's the way the church is living today. Those that are alive, they're alive in Jesus Christ. They're alive because God has given His righteousness unto us and because God has transferred our iniquities to Him, and He's gave His life as a payment for our sins. So it's in Him that we live. And He gets it down to the place now where He tells this multitude, you're going to have to eat My flesh and drink My blood. My work is going to have to go into you. And they take it literally. We looked back in John at how everybody that Jesus has spoken to from Jesus saying, in three days I'll destroy this temple and build it again. To the woman at the well looking into the water and saying, you don't have anything to draw with. Where's this living water going to come from? To Nicodemus saying, am I going to enter in a second time to my mother's womb and be born? Everybody takes what he's saying naturally. And that's what these people have done. They said, how is this man going to give us his flesh and his blood? That's disgusting. But Jesus says to them here, does this offend you? Is this tripping you up? My words are spirit. The flesh profiteth nothing. It's of no value. Boy, that would be a great lesson to learn today. The flesh is of no value. But my words are spirit. They're spiritual. I'm talking about things that are not natural. I'm not saying that you're going to take a cup of my blood and a piece of my flesh and eat that naturally, but spiritually, I'm going to be given, my body and my life is going to be given, and by that, you are going to live. So they're offended. And he comes down 63, 64. There are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray Him. And He said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto Me 
except it were given unto him of my father. Now, here is a multitude of people. You would even say disciples. In verse 66, he's going to call this multitude disciples. They're pupils. They're learners. They're following Jesus. And here is a multitude of people that's following Jesus, that's eating of the bread that He miraculously produced, that's hearing His teaching and His instruction. I mean, you think about hearing and you you think in your mind, this man's the greatest preacher that I've ever seen on this earth. Whoever, whoever that it is in our day. Uh, this man's got the most knowledge, the most ability. He's the greatest preacher. You know what you're going to find? Uh, uh, even amongst the greatest preacher on the earth, there's going to be people in the congregation that do not believe to salvation. But we're not talking about the greatest preacher in 2023. We're talking about the lips of the Son of God is speaking these words. He's not getting entangled by the flesh like preachers do sometimes. He's not getting led into saying things that ought not be said. He's not being uh, led by his opinion or his thought. This is the Son of God. He's speaking the Word of God. He is giving sound instruction. Everything he says, he's received from the Father. Either that's the truth or he's lying. Because that's what he said. And so here is the Son of God, the God-man, a man born not of the seed of a man, but a man that was born of the Holy Spirit, and a man that's led by God, a man that God does not give the Spirit by measure unto, a man that is perfect and without sin, and he is God in the flesh. And he's speaking the Word. And lo and behold... We're going to go from ten to 15,000 people. And in the upper room, there's going to be 120. Now, did he fail in his ministry? So you're telling me if he did not fail in his ministry... That these 15,000 that didn't believe, that must have been the plan of God. Either that was the plan of God or He failed. So here Jesus says, Therefore, this is the reason that I said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come to me, except it were given unto him of my Father. So... Paul's going to do this in Romans as well because it'd be easy to say, boy, the Lord, Jesus, He wasn't much of a preacher, was He? I mean, all of these people that were followers of Him, they're going to depart and go back to the world. And they're going to reject the gospel. But Jesus says, this is why I said that it must be given of the Father. Don't get hung up in the flesh. The flesh profiteth Nothing. That's what he just said. Man looks at ministries sometimes and there's all these lost people and none of them are going to believe and that ministry was a failure. I'm telling nobody's coming except it's given to the Father. And so we labor as we're supposed to labor. We trust God to do His work.
I would say this would be a depressing thing to see. But except it be given in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. So even belief, oh no preacher, you've got to muster up belief. You've got to muster that up and you've got to believe. Believe as hard as you can. Believe with all of your believing. And then God will save you. I'm telling you by the Scripture that it was given to the Philippian church to believe. It was not in them, but it was by grace. And so belief is by grace. You'll find that through the Scripture over and over again that it's given by the Father. If somebody comes today, it's because it was given them of the Father. It's not because that I had a catchy sermon. It's not because I shamed somebody. But if somebody truly comes to Jesus, it's because God gave them that. That's the Word of God. And so from that time, verse 66, you thought the earlier verses were hard verses. Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So all Jesus has done is revealed the means of salvation for the church to His followers here. And do you know what that's done? If there were 5,000 men, 5,000 women, and 5,000 children, we're looking at 15,000 people, and she's going to be whittled down to probably 100 or even less than that. Maybe even just 12 is going to be whittled down to by the discourse of the Lord. It angers man to hear the salvation of the Father. It still does. Man still is angry that it's by grace. Man is angry that it's through God because man would like to do that himself. Man would like some credit. Man would like some glory. Man would like his name beside God, the Spirit, and Jesus. Well, it was God, the Spirit, and Jesus, but it was me and the church too. See, that ain't the way that works. Man gets mad when you begin to teach or to preach the salvation of God. If it's blasphemous for it to be Christ and Mary, is it not blasphemous for it to be Christ and me? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so in Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 38, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So how are the just, the people that are justified, 
How do they live? It is by, it's through, the channel of their life is faith. Now remember, if faith is mustered up by me, then I'm living by my ability to believe. But faith is the gift of God. Faith is that that comes comes by grace through faith. God's delivered that as a gift. He's persuaded us. Persuaded us. Faith and believe. Those words are... Those words are considered, but the the meanings of those have been marred by conventional, honest, the flesh, fleshly thinking. Faith is the persuasion. It's a conviction. It's God persuading the heart of man. And when God persuades the heart of a man, a man will be persuaded. And that's the way that they live. God has persuaded this man and his life has changed as a result of it. And so the just live by faith. But if any man draw back, so if I say that God has persuaded me, I say that I have faith. I'm saying that God has persuaded, convicted, and my life is changed because of what God has done in me. If I say that I've got faith and I can draw back from that, was that man really persuaded by God? Might have been persuaded by a preacher, might have been persuaded by the church, might have been persuaded by the parents, but if a man can draw back from that persuasion, you can rest assured it was not of God. Because Paul says, we're not of them that draw back to perdition. We're of them. So two groups. There's a group that can draw back. There's a group that cannot draw back. The group that cannot draw back, they believe to the saving of the soul. They have genuine faith. You'll see that again in 1 John chapter number 2, verse number 19. They went out from us because they were not of us. Do you know why the multitude's going to leave the Lord Jesus Christ? Because they're not persuaded. Is that not the truth? It was not given them of the Father. There is a group that is persuaded, and we're going to see that in just a minute. There's a group that is persuaded by God Almighty as to who the Lord Jesus is. There's another group that has no persuasion, and they're able to draw back to perdition. And John says they went out, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, if they had been persuaded, if they were living by persuasion from God, they would have continued. And it says more than that. They would have no doubt, without question. I'm not sitting down and wondering if it's possible, but if God had persuaded these people they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out. What's happening? It's manifesting that they lack the persuasion from God. Is that not what's happening? Listen, it's not 
that they didn't put their faith like they ought to. It's not that they just didn't believe hard enough. You ever thought that? I mean, I've seen people come to an altar and and I thought they got saved. And they draw back to perdition. What happened there? Well, maybe they just didn't put all their faith. Maybe Maybe they didn't do something. This is not a work of they. It's given of the Father. That's Scripture. It'd be great if we could if we could get our grammar right and say things right. Think about them rightly. If it's a gift of God, then it's got nothing to do with me. So what should be said then? That wasn't God that brought them. Ain't that right? Well, God brought them. I believe God brought them. Well, if God brought them, they'll be different from that day onward. If God persuaded them, they will not draw back from that. They can't. We're not of them that draw back. We're of them that have genuine, saving, life-changing faith given by God Almighty. The multitude's drawing back. In 2 Peter chapter 2, it's happened to them according to the true proverb. The dog is returned to his vomit, the sow to her wallowing in the mire. Now the dog's vomited up that that poisoned it, that that made it sick, it's got it out of its system, but because it's a dog, it goes back and puts it back in. The sow has been cleaned up and shined and maybe even perfumed with a bow on it, but because it's a sow, it's went back to the mire. And man, man does better. Man makes a profession. Man wants to come to God. Man wants to do the right thing. And man does that. But because he's not saved, because he lacks genuine faith, you know what he does? He goes right back to the filth that he wanted to get out of. You want the dog to stay away from the vomit, its nature's got to be changed. You want the sow to come out of the mire, its nature has to be changed. You want a man to come out of perdition, his nature must be changed. And that's a gift of God. That's a gift of the grace of God Almighty on a man's life. Without God, except it's given to the Father, they may follow for a year, they may follow for ten, but in the end they'll draw back to perdition. They're not persuaded by God. No man can come except it were given him of my Father. And from that time many of the disciples went back. Why did they go back? You answer that. Why did these followers, why did they turn back? By the Scripture, in the verse previous, it tells us why they went back. It was not given them of the Father. So if that's true, then what about them that really believe? Why did they believe? It must be the opposite, that it was given them of the Father. So Jesus turns to His disciples 
Now, you put yourself in Peter's shoes, okay? Here's Jesus, and he's got this multitude. I mean, this man is famous. He's got a multitude following him. And, I mean, here's a man walking around in a wilderness, and 15,000 people are following him? That must feel good. Because Peter's one, he's, he's one of the insiders. And now here comes a day that every single one of them is going to turn and go away. You know what man's nature is? Follow the rest of them. I'm going to go with them. They, they must be right. I'm going to do what everybody else is doing. And the Lord Jesus turned. Now notice, He doesn't beg them to stay. He's not begging them to stay. But He says, will you also go away? Are you going to go away like everybody else has gone away? I think that's a fair question. Can you go away? Remember in Ruth, Ruth chapter 1, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after her. Ruth, if you're able, that's where you ought to go. Turn back and go after your sister-in-law. You've got no hope to follow me. There's no reason for you to follow me. You turn and go back. My God, discouraging. Man's continually begging people to come to the altar. You don't see that in Scripture. Go back. Don't follow me. Go back home. Ruth can't leave. And the church can't either. When God draws with the cords of love, with the bands of man, when He lays those on the heart, man's heart runs after the Lord. And you remember Ruth famously, she says, I'm not going. Where you go, I'm going. That's unnatural, isn't it? I mean, we look back at it, we see the redemption of Ruth, we see the blessing at the end, and we think, boy, that was the best decision she ever made. But at the time the decision's being made, that is an unnatural decision to make. But boy, she made it. She made it by the grace of God Almighty. God had a plan in order. This girl was going to be redeemed. She's going to be in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Now that sounds completely different than the other group that left, doesn't it? Peter says, who are we going to go to that we can find the eternal life that you have? So in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, here is Peter's word in preaching, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I believe that message came from this time. To whom shall we go? 
You have the words of eternal life. And in, in Acts, he's preaching to people that are undone and he says there's no other place to go for salvation. If you turn away from the Lord and Savior, you've got no hope of eternal life. Is there another source of life? Is there another source of redemption? You know, the commandment of God is you must be saved if you're escaping my wrath. That's the commandment of God. That's that's what Peter preached. And the Holy Ghost saw fit to impress Luke to write it down that way. So outside of the Lord Jesus, there's, there's no hope of life or mercy or heaven. And so in Romans... Chapter number 6, verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Here's a battle that goes on in the flesh of man. You hear about amazing grace. You sing about amazing grace. And man thinks, well, if you go too far down the road of grace you're going to be telling people that they can be saved and live how they want to. Paul's been teaching that in Romans. That grace brings justification separate from works. And what do you know? God knows exactly where the carnal mind of man is going to go next. And so Paul says, seeing that this is the case, Shall we continue on in sin in order that grace continually abound? God forbid. That's the answer to that question. And then he presents us with another. How shall you that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So let's change the wording a little, not to do misjustice to the Scripture, but to fit the Scripture we're looking at here in John. How shall they that are persuaded by God continue any longer in sin? Can that happen? Can a man be persuaded by God and his life be unchanged? Is it possible? The answer is no. God forbid. How can that be? So those persuaded by God, it's impossible that they continue on in a sinful lifestyle. Does that mean that they do not sin? No, absolutely not. Don't be foolish. Don't try to mock at the Scripture. But I'll tell you what it does mean. It means that their life, their nature, and their behavior is different than it was before God persuaded them. Is that not the truth? God has done a work, and God's work has produced results. The fruit of the Spirit is, the Spirit has produced results in the life of those that are regenerated. So Peter says, to whom shall we go? I believe you could say it like this. Why would we leave? What are we, what, if we leave you, what are we going to? What hope have we got? Because we are persuaded. Now you know 
the Scripture in Matthew 16. I feel like this is where you have to go here. Could have been maybe, maybe the same time. Maybe a different time, I don't know. But in Matthew 16, Simon Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We believe and are sure that you're the Christ. Now, the other people were saying that he's Jeremiah, he's Elijah, he's one of the prophets, he's John the Baptist raised from the dead. There was a bunch of opinions and Jesus said, Who do you say? And Peter said, You are the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. So the multitude and John, they've went away. They've left the Lord to never follow Him again. And Peter says, you have the words of eternal life. Now how did he get that? Remember that they went away because it was not given them of the Father. How did Peter have such a marvelous confession? Well, in Matthew 16, verse 17, Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. Don't mix that part up either. You know what he's saying? Simon Bar-Jonah, you are blessed. God the Father has blessed you. You have been shown favor from God because, why? Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. How did Peter know who the Lord Jesus was? The Father had given him that knowledge. It was not because he followed Jesus around. The multitude followed Jesus around. It was not because Peter was intelligent. Peter was ignorant. We've got Bible to back that up. But boy, the Father give him a persuasion that he could never turn loose of. He was blessed with that. If you know who the Lord is, you've been blessed of the Father. The Father has given that to you. In Romans chapter 4, verse 18, we talked a little about Ruth making a choice that was against nature, who against hope believed in hope. In verse 21, and being fully persuaded that he which promised was able also to perform. You know what Abraham was? Now here's a situation against hope. Here's a situation where there is no hope. If you had been in Abraham's place, and you had had a wife that was barren, and now you were in your 90s and her in her 80s, and not only was she barren and unable during her 20s and 30s to have children, now her womb was dead too. i tell you what it was. Twice dead, plucked up by the roots. There's no hope. But Abraham, he was fully persuaded... And he, against hope, believed in hope. How in the devil could a man do that? You hear what the community's saying about him. You know what the name Abraham means? Father of a multitude. So as he goes, I'm Abraham, father of a multitude. How many youngins you got? None. Don't have one. I'm... I'm 95, 
And I ain't got one. Well, boy, that name don't fit you, does it? And ain't that the truth? I tell you, against hope, he believed in hope. And God delivered. But how did he have this faith? I tell you, God persuaded his heart. By grace, Abraham was persuaded. And that against the natural situation, his persuasion did not waver. By the Scripture, it didn't waver. So to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe. So that word, it's to have faith in, upon, or with respect to, to credit or entrust. I believe this is a good way to think about believe. Faith and believe, they're from the same root word in the New Testament. Faith is a noun. And to believe is a verb. I actively have living faith. So Peter says we, we believe, we credit, we entrust, and are sure. We've been persuaded beyond measure that you are the Christ, not a last name there, but the Messiah. Old Testament word. He's the anointed one. He's the one that the prophets foretold of. The Messiah. The Son of the living God. We're, we're out of time. So we'll stop right there. But Peter has such a persuasion that amazingly, nobody else has. Peter received that persuasion not of flesh and blood, not of Jesus' flesh and blood even. But he received that persuasion from the Father which is in heaven. The multitude turned away from the lips of the Son of God in flesh. If there has been a great preacher, there's no comparison to the Lord Jesus Christ. They turned away from His voice. They turned away because it was not given them of the Father. That's the Scripture. Anything on your heart you'd like to say?